do you picture God? What is God made of? Is he made of flesh and blood like ourselves? Does he have fingers and toes and eyes and a head and feet and a heart like, like we do? Or is, or is he something totally different? In fact, is God even made of matter at all? Or is God pure energy? Or is God just a thought? What is God made of? Hello, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons, and welcome to Truth 101. This is a podcast where we look at the, the doctrines of the Christian faith, and we've been examining the doctrine and the characteristics, the attributes of God. And today we're going to, to look at two of the communicable attributes of God. Now, you may remember in our previous podcast, we've divided up, and most theologians do this, they they divide up the characteristics or the attributes of God into two categories. It's just a better way to understand the, the, the doctrine of God. One category, those are the incommunicable attributes of God. In other words, those attributes that, that he does not share with us. Those are the ways God is different than we are. What God is like and we're not like. Those are the incommunicable attributes. and. Previous podcast, we looked at, at, at four of those, God's independence and his unchangeableness, God being eternal and God being omnipresent. We are none of those things. So now let's turn our attention in the next three podcasts to the communicable attributes of God. In other words, those characteristics of God are attributes of God that, that we share with him. We're, we're like him in these ways. now. He's greater in all of these areas than we are, but we at least share those attributes with him. And we'll look at two of them in this podcast today. Primarily, God is a spirit and God is invisible. We'll look at those two attributes of God, the communicable attributes of God that he is spirit and he is uh, invisible. Now, whenever you start to study the attributes and the character of God, it, it can be very difficult. In fact, it, it, there's much more to it than we can cover in just a few podcasts, but it's very difficult to understand exactly what the character of God is like. For example, are, are God's goodness and his love, is that two attributes or one? What about God's knowledge and God's wisdom? How are they different? Are, are they the same? What about God's spirit and his invis you know, invisibility? Is, are those two attributes or, or are those one? So it, it can really get confusing and sometimes, sometimes splitting hairs in looking at the attributes of God. And let me just quickly give you four main categories that, that a lot of theologians will divide the character of God up into concerning his communicable attributes. First, there are attributes describing God's being, primarily his spirit, he's invisible, that's what we'll talk about today. And then secondly, you have the mental attributes of God, his knowledge, his wisdom, his truthfulness. And then thirdly, you have the moral attributes of God, for example, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his holiness, his righteousness, his wrath. And then finally, you have his attributes of purpose, 
God's will, God's freedom, God's omnipotence. Well, we don't have time to look at each one of those in detail, so we're just going to look at at some of the key attributes of God uh, in looking at his, his character. And so we'll look at primarily six communicable attributes, two in, in each of three different podcasts, and we'll begin with the communicable attributes today of God being spirit and God being invisible. So, so let's get started and, and let's begin. The first communicable attribute of God that we will look at is God is spirit or God's spirituality. Now, I think a lot of people have often wondered, what is God made of? Is he made of flesh and blood like we are? Um, what, what material forms his being? Is he, is he made of matter at all? Or is he just pure energy or pure thought? There are a lot of people in, 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 in America, they, they think that God is just energy. He's a, he's a, a life force. He's just a, he's just a thought or he's pure energy, but he's more than that. John 4, 24 tells us, Jesus said, God is spirit. And whoever worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now that statement was made, you might remember, in the context of of the woman at the well encountering Jesus. And the discussion was about the location of where people should worship God. And, And so Jesus told her that true worship of God does not require you to be present in a location. Didn't matter if you were in Jerusalem, if you were in Samaria, according to John 4, 21, that God is spirit. And so you worship God in spirit and in truth. So that signifies to us that God is in no way limited to a spatial location. So we should not think of God as having size or dimensions, even infinite ones. Uh, we shouldn't think of God's existence as spirit as meaning that, that God is really, really big. He's infinitely large. Well, that's not, what, that's not how the Bible has him pictured. I, whenever I was a boy, I remember thinking, God, he was this massive, massive person, great big old man up in the sky. And that's how I pictured God. But that's, that's not how the Bible describes him at all. You might remember Psalm 139, we talked about a couple of podcasts back, Psalm 139 verses 7 through 10, it tells us that, that it is not a part of God in every point of space, it's all of God. So in other words, there's not a part of him here and a part of him in Africa and a part of him in Europe. He is totally here and totally in Africa and totally in Europe and totally in all places. Nor should we think of God's existence as spirit, meaning that he's really, really small where he can fit into all of these places. It just basically tells us that there is no spatial dimension or location to which God is confined. I don't know about you, that kind of blows my mind. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to picture what my God in heaven is like. And whenever I can't think of him in spatial dimensions or, or, or just as a spirit, I, I sometimes have, have difficulty picturing him. 
Now, what we also find, which is really interesting in Scripture, is that the Bible forbids his people, God forbids his people, to think of his very being as similar to anything else he created. He, he, he forbids us from doing that. We are not to think of him in comparison or similarity to anything else in all of the physical creation. That's in the Ten Commandments. Remember Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6? says, quote, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, that's in earth beneath, or then the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God. Now remember that phrase. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, end quote. That's Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. So in this passage, God reminds us that his being, his essential mode of existence, is different from everything else he has created. To think of his being in terms of anything else he created in the entire universe is to misrepresent God. It is to limit God. It is to think of him as less than he really is. So to make a carved image of God, such as a golden calf, like the Israelites did, that maybe that was an attempt by the Israelites to portray God as, as someone strong and full of life, like a calf. But to say that God was like a calf was horribly wrong, horribly false about God's knowledge and wisdom and love and mercy and um, omnipotence and, and, and every aspect he contains. So to picture that God is existing in a form or mode of being that's like another part of creation is something God has forbidden. That would be to think of God in a horribly misleading and dishonoring way. Now, why? Why would it be so dishonoring? And why would God command the Israelites not to think of him like any other created being and, and carve an image? Why would he do that? Well, he told us in Exodus 20, it's because he, he is a jealous God. God's jealousy is given as the reason for the prohibition against making images of God. Verse, uh, chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 5, For the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. God is jealous to protect his own honor. He eagerly seeks for people to think of him just as he is and to worship him for his excellence. And then he's angered when that glory is diminished or that character is falsely represented in some way. So, to summarize about God being spirit, God does not have a physical body. We talked earlier about, in a couple of podcasts back, about the Bible using anthropomorphic language to describe God. In other words, 
God's hand or God's heart or God's eyes or God's mouth. Well, those are, those are descriptions so we as humans can try to understand a little bit of his character and what he's like. Because he's infinite, we're finite, he's unlimited, we're limited. Because of that, we really can't get a grasp of what he's like. So the Bible uses this language of human terms to describe to us so we can somehow get a picture of what God's like. But folks, the truth is God does not have a physical body. He is not made of any kind of matter like, like the rest of creation. God is not merely energy or a thought or some other element of creation. He's not, he's not a vapor or steam or he's not even air or space. Those are created things also. So God's being is not like any of these things. His being is not even exactly like our own spirits. We're created in his image, but he's much greater than, than we are. So trying to, to wrap your mind around and who God is and what he looks like, what he's made of, wow, that, that's really difficult to do. It's hard for me to get a concept of that. And so maybe we just need to ask the question, why is God spirit? And I guess all we can say is that he is the greatest, most excellent being we can ever imagine. And he is spirit because that is the greatest and most excellent way to be. This is a form of existence far, far superior to anything we know. <laughs> kind, of, kind of, it's amazing to meditate on the fact, even really, you just think about it. But the first communicable attribute of God he shares with us, we're both spirit. But wow, he is spirit in a much, much greater way. All right, let's look at the second communicable attribute of God that we'll talk about in this podcast, and that is God's invisibility. God is not only spirit, God is invisible. Now, I, I guess you might say that the first two communicable attributes of God are, are closely linked. The fact that God is spirit, the, God, the fact that God is invisible, closely linked together. But I, I want to make a few distinctions that are different and talk a little bit about God's invisibility as the Bible relates it before we close our podcast. There are a lot of passages that speak of the fact that God is not able to be seen. John 1.18, God, no one has ever seen God at any time. John 6.46, Jesus said, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. The Apostle Paul, words of praise as he's writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul writes, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice he put the word invisible in there. 
And then later in the same book, 1 Timothy 6, 16, at the very end, Paul speaks of God as one who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. And then he said, whom no one has ever seen or can see, end quote from 1 Timothy 6, 16. So, we know from Scripture that God cannot be seen, has not been seen, because He is invisible. There is a fact that we do not see God today with our physical eyes, and the Bible makes that clear. Now, very early in the Bible, we read an interesting passage, Exodus 33. Let me talk about that for a moment. Very early in Scripture, in Exodus 33, we are told, verse 11, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. End quote. Yet God told Moses in Exodus 33, 20, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. But you might remember the verse right after that, 21 through 23, God caused his glory to pass by Moses while he hid Moses in a cleft of the rock. And then God let Moses see the back portion of him after he passed by. But he said, my face shall not be seen. Now this passage here, and some others like it in the Old Testament, they show us that There was some sense in which God could not be seen at all, but there was also some kind of outward manifestation of God, at least in part, was able to be seen by man because Moses saw some portion of the back part of God, a manifestation of God, as he passed by. So I guess you might say it is right to say that. Although God's total essence will never be able to be seen, maybe somehow God still shows something of himself to us through visible created things, maybe nature or other ways. Maybe there are, maybe there are aspects of God we can see, but in his total essence, we cannot see. Now, there's a word in theological circles uh, that's called a theophany. That is called, a, a theophany is an appearance of God. And many times in the Old Testament, it records a, a number of theophanies, theophany being an appearance of God. Now, in these theophanies, God took on various visible forms to show himself to us. God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18. He appeared to Jacob in Genesis 32, a passage I'll be, I'll be preaching on in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, he appeared to the people of Israel as a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night in Exodus 13. He appeared to the elders of, of Israel in Exodus 24. He appeared to Manoah and his wife in Judges 13. He appeared to Isaiah in the beautiful chapter, chapter 6. And so there are many theophanies that people had of or visions of, 
of God in the Old Testament. I'll talk a little bit later when we come to the person of Jesus, but Jesus himself also appeared in the Old Testament. Whenever you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it's usually a reference to, in fact, almost every time it's a reference to deity. It's a reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. If you see the phrase, an angel of God, A-N, angel, it could be any one of number of angels God created. But if it says the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, usually a reference to, to deity, to Jesus himself. And so I'll talk more about that in the person of Jesus. But a much greater manifestation of God than the Old Testament theophanies is found in the person of Jesus Christ himself in the New Testament. Jesus said, John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And then later on, Paul writes, Colossians 1, 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Or the passage that we are memorizing at First Baptist Church of Garland right now, Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus is the bright radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his nature. So, in the person of Jesus, we have a unique, visible manifestation of God in the New Testament that was not available to believers who saw theophanies of God in the Old Testament. Jesus in the New Testament was a different manifestation of God. He was God in the flesh. He is the great I am. The New Testament affirms the deity of Jesus. Now, one last question before we, we wrap up, and we try to go about, about 25 minutes or so in each of our podcasts, but last question to wrap up on the invisibility of God. What about heaven? How are we going to see God in heaven? Will we get to see God in heaven? And what is that going to be like? Well, let's talk about that for a moment, and then we'll close. We will never be able to see or know all of God for his greatness is unsearchable, but scripture does tell us that in heaven, we will see God himself. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's not clear in exactly what sense we're going to be able to see the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus in heaven. Perhaps the nature of this seeing or viewing, maybe we'll not even know what that looks like until we all get to heaven. Maybe it's different than how we see here. Who knows? But we do know, we are told, that we will get to see God in heaven. Paul writes about it, 1 Corinthians 13. We shall see face to face. John writes about it. 1 John 3, verse 2. We shall see him as he is. We will be like him. And maybe the most remarkable description of the close fellowship with God that we're going to experience in heaven is the fact in Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4, the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him for they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. What a powerful 
and a remarkable description of what we'll get to see in heaven as we look at God, who's invisible to us here, but somehow will be visible to us in heaven. You know, whenever we realize that, that God is the perfection of all that we long or desire to be, and the summation of everything beautiful or desirable that we realize, we also come to know that the greatest joy of life is going to be able to see Him face to face, folks, and experience that close personal fellowship with Him. To look at God like this changes us because he, he is going to make us like himself. So the vision of God will be the consummation of our knowing God and will give us full delight for all eternity. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And part of that pleasure will be seeing with our very own eyes an invisible God made visible. I'm glad you've joined us for our podcast today, looking at the communicable, at, communicable attributes of God as spirit and his invisibility. And join us for our next podcast as we will look at the next two attributes of God, his, his all-knowing, his omniscience, and God's goodness. God bless you till then. We'll see you then.